What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the From Downtown Podcast. I'm your host, Dahani Joseph, and today we are continuing the What's Next series with the Chicago Bulls. Unlike many of their contemporaries in the East, the Bulls didn't really make any major changes during this offseason when it comes to their roster. Is the team as currently constructed good enough to make a deep playoff run? Stay tuned to find out my thoughts, predictions, and more. Getting into the Chicago Bulls now, when you look at this team, it's a team that, honestly, they had pretty high hopes, I think, when they first signed DeMar DeRozan, which most people in the NBA sphere didn't really know why. They thought it was an overpay, and I'm one of those people that thought that as well. For a simple fact that in San Antonio, he was sort of not wasting away. He, I think he's 32, 33 at this point. So he was still at the tail end of his prime, we all thought. We all understood how special he was in Toronto for all those years, although they could never get past LeBron James and those Cleveland teams. We all knew DeMar DeRozan along with Kyle Lowry. That was a formidable backcourt in the Eastern Conference. And all that DeMar could do, although he's not a three-point shooter like the modern NBA game has trended towards, he was a mid-range assassin. And he was a slasher in the truest sense of the word. He could score at a high rate, always giving you 20, 25 points a night. He could do no wrong on offensive end. Defensively, sure, there was some to be desired. And even in San Antonio, they put him at power forward, which is pretty strange when you think about it. Because he's like, what, 6'5", 6'6". So nobody really knew what DeMar was doing unless he were a San Antonio fan. Once he went to Chicago, however, and he got that massive contract, a lot of people were thinking, okay, why pay so much for him? What is he going to do that was so special? And, I mean, when you look at the numbers that he put up and the MVP conversation that was pretty legit, especially early on in the season, you understand why. Okay, DeMar DeRozan, he was averaging 28 points per game, five assists, five rebounds, almost a steal a game on pretty good efficiency for the most part, over 50%. Even from three, he shot 35%. He incorporated more threes, especially that corner three ball into his game. Leading scorer on the team was Zach Levine, who has potential, we'll get into him later, but has potential to be a top scorer in the league. Is a top scorer in the league in terms of skill set and ability. But DeMar DeRozan was the man on the Chicago team, and they ended the season with a 46-36 record which wasn't the best, right? You have to understand they were finishing sixth in the conference. 26-10 and 10 at January 10th. That was their record. And they were at the top of the East. Brooklyn was right on their heels, but 26-10, and 10, they were looking like a legit contender at the time in the eyes of many. To me, I didn't really see them going all the way for the simple fact that as I'll get into later, their roster had some 
glaring holes. And honestly, I didn't think they were going to be the team like Milwaukee. Boston wasn't playing super well at the time. But if you look at what Boston had became at the tail end of the regular season and into the postseason, they weren't being beating Boston. Even a team like Philadelphia, with all the struggles they had, they weren't being Philadelphia. So I'm like, okay, they have a good record. But what is that really going to translate to? Yeah, they'll have home court advantage. And if they were the number one seed throughout the entire year, they would have a eighth seed that um, that wouldn't do too well. That, that wouldn't fare too well in the playoffs. They would beat them, go to the second-round series where they would probably match up against a team like the Philadelphia or Brooklyn, some team that was superior, and they would lose. So I never thought the team was legit enough to be a real contender but nonetheless it was a 15 game improvement from the year prior we saw the improvements for sure in the way that the team played because before Chicago really was not necessarily a laughing stock but they certainly weren't a team that anybody really considered as a even a playoff team in the Eastern Conference the issue here is that the East is continually improving and getting deeper We've seen the additions that Cleveland has made, Donovan Mitchell. We've seen the additions that the Atlanta Hawks have made with DeJounte Murray. With Philadelphia, they made a plethora of offseason moves. P.J. Tucker, DeAnthony Melton. Another year for Tyrese Maxey to grow and improve. He could be an all-star this year. An offseason, a full training camp for James Harden to get acclimated even more so with his team. That pick and roll with Joel Embiid, the number one pick and roll duo in the NBA. They're live and ready to contend. Again, Brooklyn with Ben Simmons coming in, my defensive player of the year candidate. KD and Kyrie, the crew that they have, and veterans like TJ Warren off the bench. Seth Curry, just winners. Guys that know how to play the game of basketball, and they want to win. Boston. So many different teams have improved or were already better than them coming into this season. The Chicago Bulls also lost in the Eastern Conference Finals. Oh, whoa, Eastern Conference first round, not the finals. They would wish it after the finals. Eastern Conference first round to get some Milwaukee Bucks. And a gentleman sweep five games. Let's get into some team statistics. Points per game, 111.6 for 13th in the NBA. Opponents' points per game, 12 at 17th in the NBA. Offensive rating, 113.2, 13th in the NBA. Defensive rating, 113.6, 22nd in the NBA. And net rating, 20th, uh, 30. So like I mentioned before, this this is a middle-of-the-pack team when you look at the statistics by all account. Points per game, 13th. Opponents' points per game, 17th. They're right in the middle of the field in terms of, okay, they're not terrible, but they're not amazing either. Like they're just either above average or below average, and that's not getting it done. And a vastly improved Eastern Conference, a vastly improved NBA. Even if you look at the West, the West has like a legitimately like six or seven teams that can say, "All right, we got a shot this year to go to the Western Conference Finals and possibly the NBA Finals." That's how deep the NBA has become with all the talent, even young talent, in the league. The improvements in the East, like I mentioned before, that's going to be a problem for the Chicago Bulls. Sorry about that. That's going to be a problem for the Chicago Bulls who 
they didn't really make too many additions this offseason. They added Andre Drummond, who's been an all-star, a rebounder, which will help them in the interior, and Goran Dragic, another former all-star level guard who, of course, is on, on the decline, right? But he'll still be able to produce, especially with Lonzo Ball being out. But again, by comparison, other teams are getting all-star caliber guys, all-star caliber guards in particular, Donovan Mitchell, DeJounte Murray. <clears throat> you aren't going to get but so far in the Eastern Conference when you don't make big improvements this year. It's just not going to happen. Atlanta isn't going to be a playing team who just gets into the, the playoffs via that way and they're in the eighth seed. That's not going to be the case. They've improved. Cleveland is not missing the playoffs this year. They are not missing the playoffs. With all that they did last year, and they were going to be in the playoffs too. They're next on the what's next list, but they were winning a lot of games until Jared Allen and then Evan Mobley got hurt. They were going to be a top five seed. They ended up not making the playoffs, but they have a year under their belt of like, all right, we can't sneak up on people anymore. They know we're here. They know we're live. Darius Garland, one of my favorite point guards in the game, he's going for an all-star season this year. Maybe even all-NBA, depending on how this season shakes out. He has an all-star backcourt made now in Donovan Mitchell. Evan Mobley's going to improve. Jared Allen, that's like a legitimate big four. Are you telling me Chicago's going to be able to compete with that, with their roster? I don't think so. Now, like I mentioned before, team stats. Show that their team was average on defense and offense. And this is a problem because without Lonzo Ball, he's still having knee issues. He's not slated to start the season with the Chicago Bulls. We'll see what happens with that and surgery or whatever else has to happen in terms of his rehab. But Lonzo Ball was a big part in that 26-10 and 10 start. Because he was the orchestrator for their offense. He helped the ball move a lot more. He was a lethal three-point shooter for the team. We all understand that when Lonzo Ball first came into the league, his jump shot was funky. He couldn't really shoot the ball like the right way, for lack of a better term. He just wasn't able to shoot the ball. But then he worked, he worked, he worked. And last year with Chicago, he shot 42.3% from three-point range. He became an elite three-point shooter, and that's something that Chicago definitely missed during that second half of the season stretch. And defensively as well, man, he was a guy. He was a point-of-attack defender. That's you could say, all right, the best guards in the conference. You want Kyrie, Darius Garland, now Donovan Mitchell, Trey Young, whoever, Lonzo, go, go guard them, hold them to low field goal percentage. Lonzo Ball is six six. Long wingspan, averages two steals a game, almost a block. That's something that's missed for this Chicago squad. Especially, let's say you put Kobe White in that point guard or go on Dragic off the bench. They don't have the defensive tenacity that Lonzo Ball has. They don't have the playmaking ability that Lonzo Ball has. And just the cerebral, the cerebral basketball mind that Lonzo Ball is, all those play a big factor into Chicago not being able to sustain that level of success that they had for the first half of the season, 26 and 10, going 20 and 26 for the rest of the season. That's big. That was a big loss, and 
they're going to continue to struggle without Lonzo Ball, especially not be able to really replicate that. I love Goran Dragic. He's a great player, but past his prime right now. Kobe White, he has potential to be a scorer. I loved him in college, but as a playmaker, as a facilitator, uh, I'm not too sure. Lack of true size is something that I noticed a lot with Chicago, especially in that first-round matchup against Milwaukee where they lost in five games. Giannis could do whatever he wanted, which he, he could do whatever he wants to almost anybody, but when you have Nikola Vucevic as your starting center, a center who historically has never been able to guard, he, he can't guard, he never been able to guard, never will be able to guard. It's really that simple. He's an offensive-minded center. An offensive minded center that is pretty damn good. He could score the basketball around 17 points per, per game. And he has the ability to rebound the ball. But if you're looking for rim protection, paint defense in general, and guarding in space in the pick and roll, that's not happening. And once you get deep into the playoffs, that is going to get exploited. Could you imagine if Chicago got matched up against Trey Young? DeJounte Murray and Atlanta Hawks. Oh, my God. Vucevic might need to retire. The way that Trey Young would manipulate the pick and roll to switch Vucevic on him every single time, he would not be able to stay on the court. He would not be able to stay on the court. He'll be played off. They have to go small ball, whether it be put Patrick Williams in at the five. I don't know what they would need to do, but Nikola Vucevic would not be in those lineups. And that's an issue. When he's supposed to be a part of your big three, that was, that was the thing with DeMar, Levine, Vucevic. That was their big three. Which big three is shaky. You really wouldn't use that term. Vucevic is a great player. Or In Orlando, he was doing, he was putting up big numbers. But, again, he's the number one option on a team that was sorry for so many years. What are you going to do? So that's a big issue. And then you had Tristan Thompson in there as well during that series. Tony Bradley. These are guys that are 6'9", 6'10"-ish. And aren't super imposing rim protectors that you can rely on in a playoff series. And that's what you need if you're trying to go deep in the playoffs, especially in the Eastern Conference. Western Conference, you might be able to get, get, a, get away with that for a game or two. For a series or two, rather. But when you have to face a guy like Joel Embiid... Giannis, these are guys that will make you pay for not having good defenders at the center position. And even other teams with guards that can just destroy you if you're a slow-footed center. There's no way to avoid that anymore. And years past, maybe you just wouldn't switch. But the way that spacing has evolved throughout the NBA, you can't have a center that's slow-footed. They'll get played off the court. They'll get destroyed in pick-and-roll. And unless they have a premium skill that says, okay, you have to be on the court. We'll, we'll make up for that on the other end. Which Vucevic can score, but is it that much of a premium that you'll let a guy like Trey Young get hot and score at every single moment solely because you can't guard? I don't know. I don't know if that'll be something that the Chicago Bulls staff, Billy Donovan, who's a great coach, they'll be willing to afford and again, Andre Drummond's on this roster now. Again, a guy that's historically been a pretty good rebounder. Kosas Antetokounmpo. 
he is an Antetokounmpo, so he's tall, long. Hopefully, he'll be able to get in there, mix up some rebounds. Tony Bradley returns as well. But at the end of the day, this team, I think, really needs defense and centers that could really crash the boards. I have three key stats for you for the Chicago Bulls. Firstly, total rebounding per game. They were 28th at 42.3 rebounds a game. Which makes sense why they got swept. Well, not swept. Gentlemen sweep five games to the Milwaukee Bucks. When you're going up against a team with Brooke Lopez and Giannis, yeah, you, you're, you're done. You can't rebound, you're done. Because they're going to get rebounds, offensive rebounds, being able to put back shots, kick it out to all the shooters that they have in Milwaukee. There's, it makes perfect sense to me why they lost in five games. And they were losing a lot down the stretch. That's going to that's gonna catch up to you, not be able to rebound the basketball and giving up so many offensive rebounds, offensive scoring opportunities, second chances. Second stat, total three-pointers per game, 29th at 10.6. In the modern NBA, if you're shooting 10.6 threes per game, that's surprising. And that's shocking that they were so good. Maybe with Lonzo Ballin, it probably was a little bit higher due to the fact that Lonzo was probably taking around four to five a game. But 29th? And that may be attributed to just the personnel. DeMar DeRozan, he works in the mid-range a lot. They have a lot of guys on this roster that are finishers. You have guys like Derrick Jones Jr., now closest onto the Kumpo. Patrick Williams, a guy who I like a lot. I think he has a lot of potential, but not the greatest shooter yet. Kobe White, he can be streaky at times. The main threat from three would be Zach Levine. Without Lonzo Ball being in, Zach Levine is the guy that you would look to as, okay, you're the premier scorer from three outside of DeMar DeRozan in terms of scoring. Last year, he shot 38.9% from three-point range. The year prior, he shot 42%, so a little drop-off there. But Zach Levine, we understand who he is. He's a scorer, pure scorer of the basketball. He's a guy that will give you 25 a night. Last season, he averaged 24.4 points per game, 4.6 rebounds, 4.5 assists. He's the guy that can do it all at the shooting guard position. One of the better two guards in the league. But for his team to be 29th, three point is taken per game. It's like, come on. I, I guess as a coaching thing, as a scheme thing, but at the end of the day, that cannot happen if you want to be successful in the NBA. No team... That's going to the even the semifinals is going to have such a low three-point rate. Thirdly, which is a good thing this time, field goal percentage per game is third at 48%. Again, this has more to do with probably a lot of the shots being taken on the interior. Like I mentioned before, lots of paint touches, a lot of mid-range by DeRozan, which is a high percentage shots. In terms of the roster this year, you have some returnees, Derrick Jones Jr., Zach Levine, like we mentioned before, Kobe White, Marco Seminovich, Io DeSumo, I'm a big Io DeSumo fan out of Illinois. He could have a, a special type of year this year. 
he'll have some competition with Kobe White because they're pretty similar players in terms of their game. But Io definitely will be coming off the bench. I think Kobe's going to start with Lonzo Ball being out. So Io, along with Dragas, can man that second unit backcourt and really spell. They need offense off that bench. So maybe Io Dezuma can turn it up, average about 13, 14 points from his eight points his rookie year. And show off the offensive repertoire that I know he has. And I know he's very capable of performing. Javante Green, DeMar DeRozan, Tony Bradley, Alex Caruso, a fan favorite. He could also start. That might be the move instead of Kobe White. It would depend on how they tried to go for the lineup. If you want defense, go Alex Caruso. If they want offense, go Kobe White. Even Caruso could still play off the ball a lot. And that might be better when you have two ball-dominant guys like DeRozan and Levine. Lonzo coming back, obviously, is injured. Patrick Williams. Patrick Williams has massive potential. I think you look at his frame, his size. He's just at a power forward. I think he could play the three if he develops his ball handling. He has vision. He has defensive intangibles. Some things that you can't teach. Very Kawhi-like in terms of their build at a similar age. Developing jumper. Obviously not in the San Antonio system like Kawhi was, but Patrick Williams, if he improves his game, he could be a very, a very sought-after and coveted player just because his defensive potential is real. Another reason why their defense was lacking a lot last season, Patrick Williams didn't play as much as he was able to do to injury. Finally, Nikola Vucevic, we all understand he's a scorer. Not really a, a defensive presence whatsoever, but, you know, sometimes you have to live with that. If that's your third best player, you're going to say, okay, he can't really defend, but he's going to score for us. He'll create spacing with pick-and-pop threes. Some new additions to this team, like I mentioned before, Goran Dragic, 14th year in the league, getting up there in age, but he's a veteran. He's a guy that has been in winning situations before. Been in some tumultuous locker rooms, but outside of that, he's relatively a stable presence, a calming force, a guy that can score in bunches if he's given the chance. I like this pickup. I'm surprised he didn't go to a team that was more suited to contend, if I'm being completely honest. At this point, you just kind of want to ring, or at least that's the mentality of a lot of other people. If I saw him go to a, a Golden State, a Milwaukee, who Milwaukee, that would have been maybe the, one of the better fits. I understand they have Javon Carter off the bench, but maybe have Dragic in there too, just getting a, a potential ring. I would have done that if I was Dragic. Then you have other guys like Dale and Terry. Dale and Terry I like a lot. He's a rookie out of Arizona, played with Benedict Matherin. 6'7 guard. He was Pac-12 all defense. He has a very long wingspan. He's a guy that's athletic, gets up and down the f- floor really well. Can guard in space, can guard one, two, three, maybe a little four if he put on some weight. And he has the ability to play make at that probably around two, two, two to three guard position. I like Dale Terry a lot. He can get some big minutes on this roster. Then you have some more rookies and Justin Lewis out of Marquette, Devon Freeman Liberty out of DePaul. That's all we got for the rosters. Again, a solid roster, 
but middle of the pack compared to all the Eastern Conference teams. If this was even two to three years ago, this may be like a, a three or four seed. Five at worst. But now, with the increase in talent in the Eastern Conference, the depth in the Eastern Conference now, this team, in my opinion, is going to be around the the 7 to 10 range. Sandy's predictions. Points bet NBC's official sporting partner, sports betting partner, has the Bulls at 42.5 wins this season. I'm going under. There's too much talent in the Eastern Conference right now. I mentioned it before. They're going to be in the playing game. I really don't see any opportunity for them to be above the playing game for the simple fact that Chicago, I'm sorry, Atlanta, Cleveland, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, that's four teams right there, Philadelphia, Miami, Boston, that's seven teams that are definitely going to be better. So it's looking like at least, at most, excuse me, at most, the eighth seed. And that's that's being nice. They're going to have to fight for that playing spot. Definitely go through a few teams. I don't know what Orlando is going to be looking like. But you might have to face Orlando, maybe an Indiana. I know a lot of people are going to be tanking for Victor Wembenyama. That's going to be the goal for the majority of the teams come February. So once All-Star break happens, there's going to be lots of trades, lots of... (laughs) Lot, lots of stuff going on. Oh, I, I didn't even mention Toronto. Okay. So they might be, what, 9? 9, 10? In that Charlotte range, in that New York Knicks range, Washington. And this it sucks, too, because Chicago, they're a great basketball town, great sports town. Lots of history, obviously, with Jordan and the Chicago Bulls of the 90s. But... Again, Miami, Boston, Milwaukee, Philly, Toronto, Brooklyn, Atlanta, Cleveland. Those teams are all better. Charlotte, they could improve. The Knicks, they could improve. Not saying that Chicago isn't going to improve, but those teams looking better. Washington, maybe. You never know. Never know with Chris Tapsworth, Zingas, Bradley Beal. Teams for certain, I think they're going to be better than Chicago, going to be better than Indiana, Detroit, and Orlando. But yeah, they're definitely going to be fighting for that playing spot. And it's unfortunate that's not where they want to be, especially with them being 26 and 10 in January of this past year, this past season. But what it comes down to, everybody else has improved and they haven't. And that's going to come back to haunt them. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's episode of the From Downtown Podcast. Make sure to rate five stars so we can continue to grow, move up the algorithm so more people can see us, more people can find us, watch, tune in, so they can share. Circle of Life, man. I'm super excited. October 18th, man. NBA season, regular season, fully starts, fully gets underway. I'll be getting league pass this year. I'll be tuning in to... Some big games, some not-so-big games. Just want to consume as much NBA content as possible. I to create content for you guys. That's the ultimate goal. I'm super excited. We have a few more teams, to, a lot more teams to go, actually. But we're going to continue to push out episodes, continue to grind. We're almost done with the season. Next episode is going to be Cleveland Cavaliers, which I'm super excited for because I have big hopes. 
for Cleveland this year with the acquisition of Donovan Mitchell to see what they can do in the Eastern Conference. But after that, we hit some the Denver, Detroit, keep on going from there and there. There's some teams that I'm really looking forward to talking about, and we're going to try and do it all before the start of the season. So October 18th, that's when we got to get all this done. Will it happen? I hope so. I'm going to try my damn best. But thank you guys so much for staying till the end, sticking through. Until next time, take care.